oh, is this what you were talking about? Oh, this is, oh, wait a minute. Welcome back to the Think Like the Test podcast. I am Ben Caldwell from Ben Caldwell Labs here in Los Angeles, California. With me in this endeavor is Carrie Wieda. Hey, everyone. And we are doing an episode today called Stop Shooting Yourself. <laughs> oh, that is the best title. <laughs> Carrie. You have not yet taken our programs at Ben Caldwell Labs, our fantastic, wonderful exam prep programs, because we wanted you coming in cold so that you wouldn't be familiar with any of these questions or how to think about them. But from what you know now, if you were taking a law and ethics exam, what kinds of key words do you think you would focus in on? in the questions? Are there things that would draw your attention and say, okay, I know if I see this word, it means I should do that? Oh, gosh, what a good question. Um, immediately, I think like if there are ages of younger people, uh, that I imagine is something very critically important. Uh, also, years, if there, if any, if anywhere in the question is how many years it's been since you saw a client or uh, years that you have to keep records. I feel like that is something you have to be really, you have to pay attention to. Durations of symptoms can be really important for a diagnosis kind of question. When you're looking at how long you're supposed to keep records or how long therapy needs to be over before you can engage in sexual activity with a client, those are things where time frames you really should key in on. That's great. So you're coming in with some pretty good instincts here. So let's dive right in. Oh, gosh. Okay. A client discloses that he had a sexual relationship with a previous therapist. The client does not disclose the identity of the former therapist. Which of the following actions should the therapist take to address the legal obligation in this case? A. Report the incident to the licensing board. B. Encourage the client to report the incident to authorities. C. Assist the client to confront the former therapist about the violation. Or D, provide the client with the brochure, therapy never includes sexual behavior. This question comes from the current BBS exam handbook for the clinical social work law and ethics exam. But on this particular question, it doesn't really matter what variety of therapist you are, whether you are a clinical social worker, professional clinical counselor, MFT, or even a psychologist, the answer would be the same in any of those instances. So that makes me think that if, if it's the answer is the same for everybody, this has got to be a pretty big deal. So, okay. Um, okay, reporting the incident to the licensing board. Uh, that's that for me, that fits the bill of the important action that may well need to be taken. Um, I know that especially if the sexual relationship uh, with the therapist between the therapist and client happened during the course of therapy, that's definitely not okay. So it could, it could be, it could be a, um, encourage the client to report the incident to authorities. Um, okay. So I, I might, this might make sense because the client will not, if the client won't tell me who the therapist is, I'm not sure what good it would do me to report the incident to the licensing board myself. 
they don't know who to tell them to go find. Yeah, that's fair. What information are you going to give to the licensing board? You're going to say somebody had a sexual relationship with my client. Right. And then that makes me think like the only useful information I have is is my client's name. So that makes me think I can't breach confidentiality and tell them who my client is. So I'd have to get a release of information from my client to talk to the BBS, which might make things weird if they don't want them reported. that, That could be weird. That could be weird. For folks who are listening from states outside of California, it's worth pointing out here, your thought process here for California is exactly correct. Uh, The way that you're thinking about, like, I would need a release from my client if I wanted to share any of this with the board myself. In some other states, there is either an opportunity or even sometimes an obligation if you become aware of a colleague who is behaving in an unethical manner for you, the therapist, to then report to the licensing board. But here in California, we don't have an exception to confidentiality for that. Fascinating. Well, I'm so glad I knew that. (laughs) I'm glad I got that right for California. Um, Okay. Okay. So interesting. Um, Okay. Well, let's think about the other one. So if I encourage the client to report the incident on their own, I do know, I know from doing Uh, So I I also co-host the Very Bad Therapy podcast, and we have had a couple clients on our show who have described horrible experiences with trying to report their therapist to licensing boards. And and it was successful. Like they went through the process with the licensing board um, and it was really hard on the client. So I might I might not jump to that um, because Mm. I'm not sure I would. Uh, immediately tell this client who also won't tell me who the therapist is to go run to the licensing board. Um, so, so, so that's, I, I'm not saying I'm ruling out B. I'm just like putting a pin in that to come back to it. Um, all right. Assisting the client. Ooh, assisting the client to confront the former therapist about the violation. Uh, so I'm not sure off the top of my head what I see wrong with this option. Uh, I think that if it wasn't a therapist, if it was, um, another, uh, person in their life, um, with whom they had had a, a, you know, traumatic relationship, or if they, you know, uh, had been sexually assaulted by, you know, a, an intimate partner or something, um, I, I imagine that might be a part of the work of therapy, is assisting the, the my client with what to do about that, um, which may involve not me as a therapist going with my client to confront the the violator or the perpetrator, but um, maybe assisting therapeutically um, with them trying to figure out what to do. But because it's a therapist, I'm not sure that's the right way to approach it. Um, I would want to, as a therapist, I would want to, um, but I'm you'd not. You'd want to do what? You'd, you'd want to I'd, confront? I'd want to confront the former, the other therapist. Yeah. I want to find them in the Facebook groups and tell them that is not okay. <laughs> but something tells me I shouldn't do that. Uh, so, yeah, again, I, I, my, my sense is saying that's probably not. I think getting uh, that is my lowest choice right now because I feel like Getting the licensing officials, the authorities involved somehow feels like a, a better 
a more um, proportional response uh, than me just assisting the the client that we're going to go confront the other therapist. Um, also, I don't know what the outcome would be. Like, I like what possible good outcome could come of that. I'm not sure anything good could come of that. So I'm not I am feeling C is my lowest choice right now. Um, you mean to tell me that if you go and confront the other therapist, you don't think it's very likely that the other therapist would say, my gosh, you've informed me of the error of my ways. <laughs> yeah. I will never do this again. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't think that that's likely. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah. Um, which brings me to D. The reason why every therapist should obviously know that that is not OK to have a sexual relationship with your client is because we've all read the brochure in grad school. Uh, the brochure is therapy never includes sexual behavior. Popular, popular thing. And I, again, running joke in grad school was to just always hand out this brochure. Um, but I, let's see, would that be the appropriate move here? Um, I'm going to strike out A and C for sure. I definitely don't think we should assist the client to confront the former therapist about the violation. I, nothing good can come of that on my end. So we'll strike that as well. So now I'm down to encouraging the client to report the incident to authorities and providing the client with a brochure, therapy never includes sexual behavior. So maybe, oh, and, oh, is this what you were talking about? Oh, this is, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so this is why you were saying what words in the question might clue you into what to do. Is this why? I just realized the last part of this question is, which of the following actions should the therapist take to address the legal obligation in this case? Now, before you get to your answer, let me just say, that is actually a really important skill to make sure that you are addressing the question being asked, because it is very tempting on a lot of exam questions to sort of infer that the question is asking, what should you do or what would you do in this case? And an awful lot of exam questions, it's fair to say most or even all, are more specific than that. They are not asking, what would you do? They're asking for a particular piece of knowledge for you to apply that in this clinical setting. And so they ask questions that are more narrow, that are more specific. And there might be multiple answer options that are things that you would, in fact, do with that client. But some of them don't answer the question at hand. And that's one of the ways that people sometimes get, frankly, into the situation that you got yourself into of, okay, I know there are two here that sound really, really good that are both things that I might do. Only one of them actually addresses a legal obligation. Oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Um. Okay, so then I'm going with D because there's got to be, that has to be, we were told over and over again, you hand out that brochure. That has to be because I have a legal obligation to do that. So I'm you going do indeed. <laughs> you do indeed have a legal obligation to give out that brochure and you could encourage the client to report the incident mm -hmm. to authority. There are lots of good reasons to do that. You can help yeah. the client to understand that this is not something that therapists are supposed to do, but you don't have a legal obligation to encourage the client to report to authorities. Your legal obligation is to provide the client with the brochure, therapy never includes sexual behavior. 
Oh my goodness. I almost, yeah, I'm so glad that you said that earlier. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have gotten that one. That makes <laughs> so much sense. Well, good. One thing also that I would point out here is that there are some other study programs that encourage people, especially on law and ethics exams, to attend deeply to the words should and must. And I don't think that's actually a great idea. It is fair to say that when you see the word must, it makes sense to think, okay, well, that's probably a legal thing because you got to do the legal stuff. And should is a little bit fuzzier and our ethical obligations are a little bit fuzzier. With law, you're supposed to engage in each legal obligation independently without the heck of a lot of consideration necessary for the other legal obligations. With ethics, it is by design, and it's in the codes, that you're supposed to consider all of your ethical obligations in context of the others. And there might be times when ethical obligations appear to conflict or when in the interest of upholding some larger ethical principles, you might be a little a little softer on some of the other ethical obligations. I'm not to give anybody a pass, but just to say that with ethical obligations, you consider them in the total context. I understand the rationale. However, in either set of obligations, we're still talking about obligations. And if you over-attend to should or must on California BBS exams, you will sometimes find yourself misled. And a great example is this question. It comes from the BBS exam handbook for social work, law, and ethics. And it says, which of the following actions should mm. the therapist take yeah. to address the legal obligation in this case? And they're, they're being very clear here that this is a legal question. But if you over-attend to should and then kind of skip past legal obligation, you might look at this as an ethics question instead, which it isn't. If you see, as Carrie, you did here, if you see that this is asking about a legal obligation, that makes this a pretty easy question, right? Once you keyed in on that, you're like, okay, now I know for sure. But if you overattended to should, it might have steered you wrong. Oh my gosh, I totally see that. So what you're saying is that if you are trying to depend on the words must and should to kind of tell you whether this is like an ethics thing or a legal thing, uh, I definitely would have gotten tripped up because should I, I would be like hyper focused on what action should the therapist take. Uh, and that kind of makes me think more like um, what would be the right thing to do in this situation, which makes me think sure. ethics. I see. But here's an instance where they're using the word should, but it's definitely what do you have to do? Otherwise, you're breaking the law. Right. Got it. OK, that makes sense. And listen, if they don't give you any other clues in the question, then maybe there is something to be drawn from should versus mm -hmm. must. I'm not saying that it's it's an irrelevant word, mm -hmm. but I am saying it's not in your interest as an examinee to over attend to that when they tell you in the question what kind of a question this is. Right. They say this is yeah. a, a legal question. And this is one way, too, where in California, our law and ethics exams, they don't look like real practice in the sense that in real practice, you don't parse out in this way. You have to manage all of your obligations 
all at the same time. And you have to figure out how to prioritize and make sure that you are behaving ethically as well as legally. But for the purposes of these exams, they break down the knowledge that they are assessing for into a set of ethical knowledge and a separate and distinct set of legal knowledge. And so they will quite typically tell you in the question which of those they are drawing from. And that can make it way easier for you to figure out, oh, this is a legal question. I know the answer because this is a legal obligation. Oh, this is an ethical thing. I know what my code of ethics says about this. There might be multiple response options in that question that are good things to do, like morally good and correct. But there's usually only one that actually addresses the question that is being asked in the correct way. I see how if I had known that uh, when I read this question, I think that um, like ahead of time, if I had known learned that, I think that it would have cut down on the time it took me to get there, like by a lot. Um, So I I see why that would be such a useful thing to have in your head, like going into like the first time you see this question. Well, if you wanted to know that ahead of time, a great place for you to start would be our exam prep programs on Ben Caldwell Labs. Dot com. <laughs> we have programs for the law and ethics exams for California MFTs, PCCs, and clinical social workers. And we also have a program there for the California MFT clinical exam. Once again, that's bencaldwelllabs.com. Carrie, thank you again. I'm Ben Caldwell. We will see you next time. I feel like it's going to wind up being like Albert Ellis or somebody and then I'll be <laughs> sure. embarrassed and have to edit all of this out.